feeling the weight of this and I feel the weight of every message but there are some that are heavier than others perhaps more urgent than others so I want to follow the Holy Ghost today I would ask if that's okay but not that I don't care about your opinion but I care about his more in Jesus name if you would you know let's do this why don't you turn and greet somebody real quick in Jesus name I mean take a few minutes I've got something on my heart right now hang on Jesus, as you are returning to your seats, a quick reminder that this week is Thanksgiving. And so, as our tradition has become, there will not be Wednesday night service this week, but it will be Tuesday night, Tuesday night, seven o'clock. And uh, that'll get you in good practice for being here for corporate prayer on Tuesdays. Tuesday at 7 o'clock. Come ready to express your thankfulness. Because we are truly thankful for all that God has done. We are thankful for all that God is doing. And we want Him to move in our lives in Jesus' name. Matthew chapter 13 verse 1 the same day went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside we're going to have this memorized before too long and a great and great multitudes multiple multitudes multitudes of multitudes were gathered together unto him so that he went into a ship and sat and the whole multitude stood on the shore now if you haven't been here on the past few Wednesdays, uh, or the past two Wednesdays, rather, you need to go back and listen to that, and uh, you'll get a better understanding of where we're going. But uh, he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, 
a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up, because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. I'm preaching from verse 7 today. And some fell among thorns. And the thorns sprung up and choked them. But other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some in a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. I'm going to preach this morning with the help of the Holy Ghost. Among the thorns, among the thorns. Let's put our Bibles down and let's pray today. God, we love you and we thank you for all that you have done. God, we thank you for all that you are doing. God, I thank you for every individual that is here today, every family that is here today. God, we believe and we trust that you want to work, that you are going to to work in this place this morning. God, I thank you for every child that is here, all of our Sunday school kids. God, we thank you for them. God, I thank you that they love being at church. God, I thank you that they're here today. Lord, I pray that they would be filled with your spirit this morning. God, I pray that you would continue the work that you've started. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. I'm going to ask that if you have a child here today who is with you in Sunday school, if they come, well, I'll just speak it plain. Make them sit down. Don't let them run back and forth. And uh, if you'll do that, that'd be a great help. Matthew chapter 13. Among the thorns, among the thorns, and that would be a big help for our Sunday school team. This chapter of Matthew consists of seven parables, and we should start having pop quizzes about Matthew 13 by now, and uh, so you just be ready and pray that you've been paying attention. Uh, Consists of how many parables? Thank you. Thank you. I'm making sure you're awake today. Seven parables that communicate from Jesus to the disciples and to the hearers regarding the nature of which kingdom? The kingdom of heaven. A parable is used to describe something that is unknown by using something that is known. So the parables of Matthew 13 are the sower, and the seed, which we have been preaching about now uh, for a couple of weeks. The sower and the seed, the wheat and the tares, the mustard seed, the leaven in the bread, the hidden treasure, the goodly pearl, and the fishing net. 
Now, there are common things to all seven of these parables. Uh, it, they describe things that are buried. They describe the, the kingdom of heaven. They describe the value that can be found in the kingdom of heaven. They describe things like uh, treasure hidden in the field that is worth the entirety of an individual's life. Uh, everything that the person has uh, could be sold and, and buying the field is worth that investment. The same with the goodly pearl and the fishing net and so on and so forth. But in this first parable, there are uh, four soils that are categorized by Jesus. And we've preached about them, the wayside soil and the stony soil. But in this seventh verse of Matthew 13, we find that some seeds fell among the thorns. And the thorns sprung up and choked them. And in verse 8, we discover that other seeds fall into good ground and they bring forth fruit. Now that's a characteristic that we have hinted at every time we've preached about this. Perhaps we'll preach about it in the future and, and, and wrap everything up in a nice, neat package. But the fact of the matter is that God wants you to be fruitful. And I believe this morning that I'm preaching to people that desire to be fruitful. I'm preaching to people that desire to produce an hundredfold or sixtyfold or thirtyfold. Let me just ask you, is there anybody here today that would love to win 30 souls? Is there anybody here today that would love to win 60 souls? I mean, just think about it. 60, 120, 180, 240. Imagine how, that, I mean, that's, that's multiple. Multiplication. Is there anybody here that would love to win a hundred souls? 100, 200, 300, 400, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27. That's what God desires as well. And so we're preaching this morning uh, to a, a group uh, of members of the kingdom of God that desire fruitfulness. And fruitfulness is the most important factor. Uh, but there are times and there are things and we see that, that the first soil that he mentions is not good soil. But it's wayside soil. And then there are... Uh, the wayside soil never has a chance to grow. Never has a chance to grow. It's been trodden under the foot of men. It's been trampled. And the word of God goes forth and there's somebody in your life that just tramples it. There's something in your life that just tramples it. You never get a chance to grow and the fowls of the air come up and violently rip the word of God out of your life. Every time you think that, oh, this is going to be the time, here comes something else just ripping the word of God out of your life. That's the wayside soil. And he said, that's, that's where you're going to find most people. All the people that you invite to church and they never come, it's not because they don't desire to. It's because something in their life, it's just ripping it away. 
and then the stony soil. And those are the folks that come in, and man, they just seem like they just take off. It's like a, a blast out of a gun or a cannon. They just take off, and it's hot, and it's heavy, and it looks good. But there's no deepness of earth. And so when the rubber meets the road and things, uh, things start getting a little hot and heavy, they're easy to get offended. They get offended easily and then they just flake out because they can't stand the heat of the sun. He said, you're going to find some people there. You're going to find a lot of people there. The desire is to get to the good soil. But in order to get to the good soil, we're going to have to wade through some wayside soil. We're going to have to wade through some stony place soil. And go back and listen to those messages. We're not going to, we're not going to recapitulate everything today. Uh, but we get to the, the soil that is number three on the list that Jesus gives. And it is soil that is thorny. Sometimes things just get in the way. Of being fruitful. The sower is the Lord. The sower is those who proclaim the gospel. Broadcasting the word of God. Without fear, without favor. It doesn't matter what they look like. They're going to get the word of God. It doesn't matter where they come from. They are deserving of the word of God. It doesn't matter how many issues they do or do not have. They deserve to hear the word of God. It doesn't matter if that coworker really gets under your skin. Uh, that, that coworker deserves to hear the word of God. That family member that's gone crazy deserves to hear the word of God. Everybody deserves to hear the word of God. And so God desires a people that will indiscriminately spread his word. He said, listen, you gotta, the most important thing for you to do is not to, to determine what kind of ground it is, but you get your hand in that seed bag and you go out sowing. You might sow in tears, but you're also gonna reap in joy. The soil is the hearts of men. And Satan is the one who snatches away the seed. Let me just tell you, the seed is always good seed. The word of God is always good, even when it makes me uncomfortable, even when it makes me uncomfortable. For the word of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for instruction in righteousness. It is good seed. However, not all soil is productive soil. Luke chapter 8 and verse 5, a sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden under the foot, uh, underfoot, and the fowls of the air devoured it. Uh, it was trodden down, it was trampled on, so on and so forth. It was the wayside. It wasn't good enough to be in the road, but it wasn't good enough to be in the field. It was in that place of in-between. Go listen to the message. Uh, and the stony soil, uh, it was indicative of those that, that grabbed the word of God immediately in their hearts. They wanted it. They intended to use it. Uh, they received it with joy, but the fowls of the air, so on and so forth. The, the, the New Living Translation says, but since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. One commentator said it's like mere excited animal feelings. 
It's all they've ever had. And that's not sufficient to sustain them. When the trial comes, they get giddy excited like your pup. When you pull the food out of the out of the container and they're wiggling all over they just can't wait to eat it they just can't wait but uh, but as soon as something happens and then all of a sudden they're moping around and uh, so on and so forth we can't be like spiritual dogs that just want it when it's coming from the master's hand there's no deepness and there are some that have fallen among thorns. Let me pause and back up here for those that weren't here on Wednesday because you, you may or may not go back and listen to it so I need to make sure that you get it. The fowls of the air pluck up the wayside soil but the stony soil has no deepness of roots and they become offended. By and by, Matthew thirteen twenty one, he is offended. Beware the spirit of offense. Beware. I want to make it very clear right now. I'm not upset at anybody. But you have got to beware of the voices. One commentator said it this way about offense, that the offense or is offended, scandalizo is the Greek word, it means to put a snare in the way, hence to cause someone to stumble and to give offense. They say it is to cause a person to begin to distrust and desert one whom he ought to trust and obey, to cause to fall away. There are voices that desire to get between you and God. That desire to get between you and the man of God. And if you value your soul, you must operate in discernment. Discernment, what's that mean? You gotta be able to tell what kind of spirit it is that's behind that voice. Trying to operate in wisdom this morning. Matthew 13 and verse 7. Some fell among thorns. And the thorns sprung up and choked them. Now, Jesus, in his infinite, literal, infinite wisdom, his wisdom, wisdom that never ends, understood what ministry really is. That in even a setting like this, this morning, there are all four types of soil. There are those who are here today that, that the world has done its absolute 
dead level best. I was the soil on the side of the road. We have others, even under the sound of my voice, that were or are soil with stones. That I was the soil that was filled with stones that when the sower planted, it quickly caught hold with eager excitement and joy bubbling over. The words of the master sprung up with splendor. The rocks will be fine, no need to pluck up. The seed is growing, not running amok. For days, weeks, and months, the life was so grand. The seed is rooting, but here comes a hand. Twas the hand of turmoil, the hand of grief, the hand of a trial, the hand of defeat. The hand reached down and caused me to doubt. The sower of the word, the fount had become a drought. The roots were plucked up from the soil so shallow. And now here cries, the ground was found fallow. This message is simple. The message is brief. Will you be content with the message that lasts but a week. And even among the sound of my voice today are those who have fallen among the thorns. If you begin to research, and you should, you should study the word of God. You don't have to take my word for it. The same word for thorns is used in Matthew 27 when describing the crown of thorns that was placed upon the head of Jesus Christ during his crucifixion. It is said that the bare thorns carried poison that would have caused delirium or even death on their own. Pressed down onto his head and entering into the bloodstream, the poison would have caused him to feel uneasy and awkward and delirious all on its own. Let me just preach to you today that any lesser of a man never would have made it to Golgotha. It is the prickly plant, it is the thorn with its spikes and with its burrs and with its sharpness that the seed finds itself among. And so we see that the some seeds are sown even in this place today onto ground that is also occupied by thorns. But what we cannot understand lest we dig into the word, unless we slow down and actually read it. It would seem as though the sower is just sowing in the middle of a weed patch. But that's not what the language leads us to believe. The Bible says in verse 7, some fell among thorns and the thorns sprung up. That the thorns sprung up or ascended means that they most likely became visible after the seed was sown. It leads us to believe that the ground was occupied not just by the seeds of the word of God, but also the seeds of the thorns. 
It leads us to believe today that as the word of God is preached to us, as it is sown into our life, our soil, the soil of our very being can also be occupied. Not just by stones which are visible and not just by the hard-packed imprints of the world's feet, but there can also be seeds of thorns. That the thorns sprung up or ascended means that at one point they were not visible. But they became visible when the seed of the word of God was sown. That's why when you come to church and you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and are baptized in his name. Perhaps even before then as the word of God is preached. You say, my Lord, I'm starting to see things about myself that I didn't know before. Why? Because you can't see it until you line it up with the word of God. And until you examine it by the magnifying glass of the word which is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart among the thorns which were quite familiar to the husbandmen they were not visible at the time of the sowing And so it appears to the student of the word that somebody has worked on this soil before. And so I'm just going to preach it like I feel it, okay? That's what happens when we come to church and we try to look just right. We try to work on the soil so it looks good to everybody else. So it looks good to the pastor when the pastor starts preaching the word of God. When the pastor breaks out the word and starts sowing the seed. I want it to look good. I want to look good when the altar call happens. I want to look good. I want my soil to look good. And let me tell you, I want you to look good. But more than want you to look good, I want you to be good. I'm not talking about just behaving. I'm talking about I want you to make it. I want you to live it. And so the farmer understands I got to get the thorns out of the ground. And so somebody has been working on the land. Brother Ashton, what, what struck me was that more than just the possibility of the seeds of the thorns being in the soil, was that the language indicates to us that there were roots of thorns in the soil. That the top had been cleared, but the roots had not. The ground had been so far cleared, but the roots were left below the surface. And their growth and the growth of the grain went on simultaneously. And it ended in survival, but not the survival of the fittest. The survival of the strongest. The ears of the corn shot up, but then they didn't. Oh my God, it wasn't like the stony soil that died off quickly. 
This was number three on the list of the master because he understood. Boys, when you preach the word of God in your cities, in your congregations, you're going to have some that last for a good long time. So we don't want to look at the parable of the sower and think, my God, I'm not the wayside soil and I'm not the stony place. I've been here for a minute. I'm not like brother so-and-so with all of his struggles that are so apparent. I'm not like, my God, have mercy. I want to preach to somebody right now that's among the thorns. You got to examine what's below the surface. You got to dig down to the root. It's not enough for you to just come to church and look the part. The ears shot up and did not die suddenly as they did with the stony soil. But they were slowly strangled away until they died. How does that happen, Pastor? It happens because somebody's trying to live for God and they're trying to hold on to their worldliness at the same time. I'm just going to tell you, godliness and worldliness cannot cohabitate. They can't live together. No man can serve two masters, for he will love the one and hate the other, or else he will hate the one and love the other. He said, I come not just to preach to those by the side of the way, or those with no deepness of earth. I want to preach to somebody that thinks they got it together, but you got hidden roots of worldliness. They fell among thorns. I come to preach to those today. I brought my gardening hoe with me. I brought my tractor with me. I brought my plow with me today. Why? Because I'm going to plow up the roots of worldliness in your life. Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. I preached last Sunday in Mansfield, Ohio. Thank God for Brother and Sister Howard. You can go ahead and turn it back on. I'm going to need the microphone here in a minute. And so after service, we're talking to Miss Dennis, the mom. And the elder, she got these big old earrings on. Okay? I mean, they were big. My ears hurt. And Brother Pickerton, she leaned over the pew to grab something out of her purse. And that earring, Sister Kathy, it was a clip-on. Okay? It fell off. And it fell down in the pew. I didn't say anything about it. She grabbed it up. She said, oh, I'm so sorry. She said, my husband was a pastor. She said, for a long time, we preached against these. Brother Howard told me later, he said, her daughter, my, my daughter's teacher, wears a skirt every day. They don't wear pants. But she looked at me and Pastor Howard, and she said, but 
they started preaching that we could have this. And they started preaching out of context, mind you, where the children of Israel came out of Egypt with all of the goods and the jewelry. My God, I'm about to preach. You hear me? She said, that's, a, that's the, the scripture that they used. That you go borrow jewelry from your neighbors because when you come out, you know, then you can wear it. That's not what God said. And I said, Miss Dennis, you know that's not right. She said, I know, preacher. That's why they're just clip-ons. Because she still doesn't feel right about it because it's not right. Let the adorning be the, the adorning spirit of the beauty of holiness. Let me just tell you that God told them to borrow of the jewelry of the Egyptians because when they came out, they needed some gold for the tabernacle that was going to be on the inside of the tabernacle and the jewelry that was going to be. Let me just tell you, you got to cut off the voices. I'm going to preach it straight right now. And you can get offended if you want to. But you need to pull the stones out of your soil. There's some voices that are telling you that it's okay. And it's not okay. You want to know where it came from? Lucifer. Who was adorned in precious stones. So that when the glory of God hit him. It would be a magnificent light show. But it went to his head. And it was the pride of life. Godliness and worldliness cannot coexist. You will love the one and hate the other. And I want to preach to some new converts. You got to cut off the voices that will tell you otherwise. And if they have questions, they can call me. Godliness and worldliness cannot let me, let, me, let me pause here and tell you why it upsets me so much. Because it's confusion. And I know how to fight against that. But babies don't know. That's a problem I have with it. It's different when new converts are just around worldly people. But when you're around people whose seed is among the thorns, who ought to know better, it brings in nothing but confusion. I have never, I have never met someone who said they had a revelation from God to put their jewelry back on. But I have met a whole lot of people that said, I'm so convicted. I got to take this off. I want the, let me just tell you, you don't need that garbage. Some of it's expensive garbage. You don't need that stuff to make yourself beautiful. Honey, you were created in the image of God. 
You were created in the very image of God in his likeness. And so what the world does is the world wants to say that you're not good enough. So you have to adorn yourself with something that's more beautiful than you are. Let me tell you, there's nothing more beautiful than what you are. You're a child of God filled with his spirit. Ask Moses after having been in the presence of God. The Israelites said, you got to cover that face up, man. We can't handle the glory. It's so bright. It's so intimidating. Worldliness and godliness cannot coexist. Cannot coexist. And the worldliness will slowly strangle the godliness it choked them to choke is to stop the growth of that's not my words that's the meaning in the Greek to stop the growth of so if you feel like you're in a place in your life where you're not growing spiritually you need to ask yourself, what's got a hold of me? There's going to be some things that you came into church with that you grew for a while. But it gets to the point where they're fighting for airspace. And it's, it's not, this is the difference between the stony soil and the thorny soil. Because the stony soil, you're going to know immediately. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as it gets hot. But I'm going to preach to those that have been through some things. Yeah. You've been through some things. Yeah. And you've made it. And you're like, man, I've got, the deepness of earth is there. The deepness of earth is there. You're fighting for airspace. Because now you've grown as much as the thorns will allow you to grow. And if you don't deal with the thorns, it will choke you to stop the growth of. The language literally indicates cutting off someone's life supply. Suffocate. To make it impossible to breathe. I just don't feel like I can get my head above water. And every time you come to church, it's like gasping for air. <gasps> it's impossible to take in life. That's those among the thorns. He also that received seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word. And the care or cares, verse 22, thank you. The care or cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word. And he Becometh 
unfruitful. He was fruitful, Brother Ezekiel. And we like to preach about becoming the sons and daughters of God, but we also have to preach about becoming unfruitful. In, in the case of the, the thorny soil, it's not a matter of over rapid growth. There is some depth of earth. And the character is not one that wastes its strength in vague emotions. We're not just running around here and there. There's some stability there. There's some third dimensional principles. I got to work. I got to make a living for my family. I want to have a healthy family. I want to provide. We want to have healthy relationships. That's the kind of situation that, that the third dimensional thorny soil individual finds themselves in. However, not only does it have the capacity for sustained effort, but that man or woman with the thorny soil is double-minded. Double-minded and tries to play both sides. Players need to stop playing. I believe it frustrates God because it frustrates me and I'm made in his image. When individuals try to play both sides. It just happened to me. With somebody that has perfected the jail talk, Brother Chris. Thank you for your wisdom. I mean that. Played me like a fiddle. Thankfully, in this case, I only lost a couple hundred dollars for hotel expenses when they disappeared. But here's the thing. I sowed the seed. And it frustrates me, but I believe it frustrates God. And pardon the old farming analogy, but you straddle the fence long enough, you're going to get to a fence post. There was, a, there was an old man that worked for my uncle. His name was Wayne. I'm sorry, no it wasn't. Yes, it was. His name was Wayne. My uncle's name is Dwayne, so it got me confused there for a minute. They were going out. He, he helped my uncle strip tobacco. And they were going out to check some things in the field and, and my uncle raises cattle and so they had an electric fence. And my uncle being thin and spry just straddled it, just hopped right over. Well, Wayne was in his mid-60s, well-fed. He talked with a southern drawl. 
that uh, you just had to have met him. But Dwayne said, come on, Wayne, let's go. Wayne threw his leg over that electric fence that they had not unplugged. And Alan, he ain't make it all the way over. And that 220 broken circuit popped. Pow! And he made it the rest of the way over. And he fell on the ground and my uncle was rolling. He said, Wayne, I'm ruined! I'm ruined, Wayne, I'm ruined! You can't straddle the fence because it'll bite you. And every eight feet, there's a fence post and you got to get on one side or the other. I'm just going to preach it like I feel it today. I just want to tell somebody there's not room in the kingdom of God for double-minded individuals. I want you to make it. I want you to last. But you got to choose you this day whom you will serve. The man is double-minded and he would fain serve two masters. I want the best of this world and I want the best of this world. Honey, that's not the way that it works. You got to stop trying to siphon. My God, you got to stop trying to siphon off of worldly people what you can get while you still try to live for God. I'm just going to tell you that your worst day living for God is better than your best day ever in the world. Riding in my truck with my childhood friend. So, buddy, let me tell you something. You can't have it both ways. He said, well, I just want to keep doing my music, and I keep wanting to do this and doing that. I said, you can't. I said, you might be able to do it, but you're going to have to do it different. He said, well, what do you mean? I said, you got to get rid of the booze. you got to get rid of the drugs. you got to get rid of the profanity. He said, well, why? I said, because you got to call a God on your life, man. So what are you saying? I said, I'm telling you that God can use it, but you got to use it for him. Well, my message isn't like that. I try to put a positive message in there, but it's not godly. You can't serve two masters. The New Living Translation alludes to, or it's not just the New Living Translation, but the cares of this world are what Jesus was referring to in Matthew 6 and verse 35. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Because it becomes more about just making enough money to get through and provide for your family until it consumes you to the point that if you're not making X, Y, and Z, then you're nobody and nothing. God said life's more about, life's about more than just that. The cares of this world, the cares of, of this world and the deceitfulness of, uh, the deceitfulness of riches uh, are, it's the same word as used in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 35. The cares, the care, the anxiety of the world. Literally, 
The language says divides and fractures a person's being into parts. So this part's over here wanting to live for God, but this part's over here wanting to be a millionaire. I don't have to qualify this, but I will. You know I believe that you ought to be blessed. That God wants you to be blessed. And he does. You're a child of God. But if you're more concerned about pursuing the blessing than you are the blesser, that's a problem. The deceitfulness of earthly riches cheats the soul with its counterfeit show of goods. And they choke out the word. Until the individual who was fruitful becomes unfruitful. I want to preach to us this morning that worldliness and godliness cannot grow at the same time. Listen, I don't care how long you've been in church or how long you haven't been in church. You've got to purge your life of worldliness. Brace yourself. One form of worldliness is not any better or worse than the next. Any form of worldliness that is not dealt with will choke you out and suffocate you even while you sit on a church pew. I'm just going to. I'm going to preach to you what my dad preached to me. And what my dad preached to his church, at least when I was a kid. He said, if you have things that need done at home, at work, they'll still be there when you get out of church. And he said, if you'll miss church to handle those things that need to be done, they'll never work out because God's not not more important. If you miss church to handle the things that need to be done, they'll never work out because God's more important than anything that needs to be done. So don't miss church. And he also preached to me as a teenager. He said, boy, let me tell you something. If you're too sick to go to church, you're too sick to go to work. And if you're not sick enough to miss work, you're not sick enough to miss church. So don't miss church. And I believe that God will help you get those things done smoothly and in record time because you put him first. So from the voice of an elder, don't miss church to pursue worldly things. And if you can call off work for this and that, if you can call off work to go fishing, then you can call off work to not miss church. Let me tell you something. I'm blessed. We are blessed. But every job interview I have ever had, ever had, I don't work Sundays. I don't work Wednesdays because we've got midweek service. I don't work Wednesday nights. I'll work during the day. There have been times I've worked a Saturday, so I didn't have to work a Sunday. I don't do it. And I got to the point as a young man, I said, listen, I'm, I'm not available on Friday nights either. Because we got youth service on Friday nights. Yeah. 
We got corporate prayer on Tuesday. Sorry, I can't miss. Amen. And it's a whole lot easier to lay that groundwork when you go into that job. Then you worked for six months on every Sunday and every Wednesday night, and now you want Sundays and Wednesdays off? The world doesn't even get it. Why? Because you're a double-minded individual. The world is going to have more respect for you when you lay the groundwork in the very beginning. And I'm not talking about at the job where you just got in church and now you started going to church and so on and so forth. But if you got control over that and that job interview, you tell them, they said, hey, well, let me ask you about your availability. Well, let me tell you about my availability. God comes first. God comes first. I have never seen someone who took that stand that God did not honor. I've never seen it. I have literally never seen it. Why? Because God said, try me and see if I won't open doors that no man can open. I'll open the windows of heaven and pour you out blessings that you cannot contain. Why? Because he doesn't just want the tithe of your income. He wants a tithe of your time. He doesn't just want the first fruits of your money. He wants the first fruits of your day. He wants the first. Psalm 37 verse 21. I'm almost done. Sister Sherry, what was it you you texted me the other day about your counseling? I'm not an owner. I'm a steward. They're not mine. I'm just a manager of this for God. My vehicle isn't mine. That's God's. My house, that's not mine. That's God's. My savings account, that's not mine. That's God's. My weekly or every other week paycheck, that's not mine. That's God's. My clothes, they're not mine. I'm thankful that God gave them to me. And you ought to be too. Amen. My house, that's not mine. That's God's. You thought I was meddling before. That's why I want to take care of my house because it's not mine. It's God's. That's why I want to take care of my vehicle because it's not mine. It's God's. And, and when people look at me and say, my goodness, well, how can you be so blessed? It's not mine. That's God's, man. Yeah. Some will keep my house. Eh, I'm going to keep my house clean because it's not mine. It's God's. Amen. And God gave me a good wife. Amen. And it's, it's a miracle. A lot of you men know what I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready to say. You know it's true. My goodness. You put your clothes in that basket. And somehow, Brother Chris, somehow, when you get them back, they smell better. They're folded in a nice little pile or a great big pile. My goodness, how did this happen? Because there was an angel that did all of that for you. The angel may or may not have paired the socks. Because God can, God's can say, hey, there's some things you can do. <laughs> and we believe in holiness, but we don't like holy socks. And we don't like holy undergarments. 
You got to know when to hold them. You got to know when to fold them. And you got to know when to pitch them, baby. Psalm 37 and verse 21 says, The wicked borroweth and payeth not again, but the righteous showeth mercy and giveth. For such as be blessed of him shall inherit the earth. They that be cursed of him shall be cut off. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, God's not looking for perfection. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. You want to know why? You want to know why we've got the parable of the sower in Matthew 13? It's like we see a progression. It's not like we do see a progression that people can go from the wayside to stony soil. And in the wayside, there is no opportunity for the word to take root. It might be received. It might be desired, but it cannot take root. In the stony places, there's, there's some growth. But if we don't deal with the stones, we'll never. And so by the time we get to the thorny soil, man, it looks good. We've dealt with the stones. But we haven't dealt with some roots. The fourth soil is the good soil. We're seeing a progression. And the thorny soil had been fruitful. But it became unfruitful. And so we have to deal with the thorny soil so that it can once again transition from three to four and become good soil. The Lord upholdeth him with his hand. Verse 25. I have been young and now I'm old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken. Nor his seed begging bread. Musicians, you can come please. Let me tell you. The cares of this world desire to choke you out. Desperate people do desperate things. Desperate people do things that are not reasonable. I mean, you hear about it in the news. God forbid someone's child is kidnapped and all of a sudden they got to come up with an insane amount of money. And they do all kinds of things to get that money that they never would have done otherwise because they're desperate. It's, it's sad to me that we'll do desperate things for worldly reasons, but we will not do desperate things for spiritual reasons. Like, man, I want to change. I want to change. I want to change. But you're not desperate enough to do it God's way. Which in all reality is the easy way, but your flesh doesn't like it. So I'm preaching today to those who are among the thorns. And, and we've got all four types. So don't you sit there and try to figure out who this is for. Chances are it's for you. <laughs> That's another life lesson my dad taught me. If you're sitting in church and you're trying to figure out who the word's for, it's probably for you. In fact, 
It is for you. Every time, it's for you. Every time. Every time, it's for you. Your job's not important. More important than being at church. Your job is important, but not more important than being at church. The pursuit of wealth is not more important than being at church. Worldliness is not more important than the kingdom of God. Let's stand. Jeremiah chapter 4 and verse 3. For thus saith the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up your fallow ground, and sow not among thorns. I was the soil that was covered in thorns. The husbandman came and prepared to sow. But what he did not know is that beneath the surface lies the roots of worldliness I have tried so hard to hide. I've cleared the top and prayed some too. Yet the roots have been left and I don't know what to do. The word goes forth and appears to take hold. Yet worldly, worldliness grasps the throat with its cold, hard fingers in a death grip vice I cannot breathe I cannot think but I do want to grow I want to be free free to live for this sower of seed free from the guilt that worldliness brings but lest I pull up the roots what can I do I want to live for God but I want the world too. I cannot have both. That is what the word says. So an altar I need where sin can be laid. There I will leave the root of my sin and never Will I pick it up again? For the cross is before me and the world behind. A greater purpose I have and that will be mine. No longer a slave to two masters I'll be. I choose to live for the one who died for me. So all roots of the world today will be gone. Good soil I'll be from here to yon. I wonder today if I have anybody that would be willing enough and transparent enough. I'm not asking for raised hands, but I am asking you to make your way to an altar. Anyone that would say, listen, I I don't want the world to choke out what God wants to do in my life it's easy to 
to fall prey to the world and the cares of life, but we've got to make sure that nothing will get in the way of God wants to do.